listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman, and today we are joined by Alex Kolodinko. He is the managing partner at Wealthy Mind Investments, and he's come to uh, share a little bit of his story with us today. Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sterling, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. So let's kind of get started. Tell us your story. How'd you get into real estate investing? What'd you do before? You know, catch us up. Yes. Uh, happy to share my little story. So originally I'm from Ukraine. I have immigrated more than 25 years ago. And since then I have lived in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley, a very expensive place to live, uh, as uh, some of you might know. And I'm a technologist. I worked in the software industry for many years ago. I'm a busy professional. I have been working in a large organizations, uh, including startups. I do have a full-time job still. And uh, about 10 years ago, I started to look into alternative investments. I have been investing in the stock market primarily to build my wealth over time and started to look around you know, what else is out there. And there was a common denominator among many wealthy people, which is real estate. Real estate investing has been as... Uh, a lot of people do know is one of the best vehicles to build wealth over time and create cash flow and lifestyle like everybody's dreaming about, right? So my journey started with single family homes. Uh, I started to flip homes. I went to auctions. I bought some distressed type of homes and they didn't work out well as I planned. I flipped <laughs> some homes with uh, partners as well. We even built uh, brand new homes out of state and primarily I have been doing all my deals out of state and over time I kind of uh, continued to learn. I did buy a couple of rental homes that I did Airbnb as well. I started money lending for fix and flip projects and then over time I kept looking for a way to scale and not to have too much time and effort involved into the investing part of it, right? And about five years ago I was exposed to a real estate syndication model, which is a group investing, right? So in, sure. in, in, instead of a, a single person buying a large asset, you co-syndicate with other people, right? So everybody chips in a little bit of money and then you can buy a larger type of uh, apartment building or a storage. So long story short, five years ago, I started to test the model myself and started investing in different type of syndication. I was one of those pioneers that started investing through crowdfunding platforms. And for the most part, uh, it worked out really well. I mean, I made six-figure income through various deals. I did lose some money on some deals. Not every deal went according to the business plan. I learned along the way how to vet out the operators, how to read the financial statements. And then last year, uh, a lot of people started asking me for help or advice. You know, how do you find out these good deals? So my business partner and I, we started a company called Wealthy Mind Investments. We're a Silicon Valley-based boutique firm that specializes in private placements for busy professionals that would like to invest in real estate but don't want to have a headache of being a landlord, right? So when we find a good deal that we personally like that passes our investment criteria and underwriting, we allow our investors to participate in our offering and co-invest with us. And we typically invest in larger 100 plus units apartments. So you have a fund? No, we don't have a fund. We operate as a single investment type of vehicle at this moment. We are considering launching a fund sometime next year, but at this point we have co-sponsored and co-syndicated six deals now in different markets with experienced partners. 
Okay. I would like to dive into more of that because I, I do sure. have a lot of questions about that, but I, I want to take a step back. You mentioned a lot of other avenues that a lot of our listeners have gone through before they ultimately land in the multifamily syndication type space. And I've interviewed so many syndicators lately. It's starting to feel like it's, it's just a syndication podcast, but it's not. It's a real estate investing podcast. <laughs> I too have done a lot of stuff and now, you know, transitioning into the syndication world. So I just like, I'd like to kind of dive into the details of the other things you've tried, what your experience with those was, and then kind of like why you eventually migrated to this. So the first thing you mentioned was house flipping. Let's talk about that for a minute. How did that go? I always, I've never flipped a house. In fact, the only house I've ever even tried to sell was my last primary residence and it's been sitting on the market for four months. So I hate the idea of having to sell houses. I've always felt like flipping is work. It's not investing. It's a job. And I, like you, I already have a day job. So right. Elaborate on how that went. I'm one of those people that love travel a lot. So I thought that, you know what, this idea is pretty cool. You go to auction, you do some homework on the properties that you like, and you just go show up, you know, hopefully do win the bid at the auction, and then you just hire somebody to do the work, and eventually you sell for profit, right? I mean, it all sounds very simple and exciting, <laughs> but there's a lot of work involved in that. So I, I did end up uh, working with another person who's been in the business for a while. So we've been partnering up on some deals in the past, but still, you know, the, the idea was behind that, that he was going to teach me all of that and I would eventually take over. And I sucked at construction. <laughs> I, I, I really sucked at, you know, estimating and managing uh, the property. So he would allow me actually to manage a couple of projects. And I said, you know what, I just don't enjoy that. Yeah. I, I would rather not do that kind of work. So it turned out to be, you know, uh, flip the coin. You know, some projects turned out to be okay. Others who actually lost money. And I, I tested that model out. I actually did flew multiple times to different actions. I mean, it's still time commitment, right? Involved sure. and involvement. And I just decided after a while, you know what? This is not the right uh, business model uh, for me. But it was a learning experience. I kept going, uh, figuring out okay, what else is out there, right? Because I think it's important to have clarity as far as what's your end goal, what you're trying to achieve, and also know yourself, right? Yeah. Know your strengths and your weaknesses. I think a lot of people, as you know, they get excited about real estate uh, investing, but it's a lot of time, a lot of commitment, a lot of frustration. At the same time, there is a big income upside if you know what you're doing and figuring out what your strengths, capitalizing on them and kind of bridge your weaknesses through partners or outsourcing uh, some of these activities. Sure. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, there's a lot of value in having clarity in what's going to work for you. And sometimes that clarity comes by finding out the hard way what's not for you. There's nothing wrong with that because you'll, yeah, I bet you'll never wonder in the back of your mind, well, how would I be at house flipping? You've already, you've already been down that road. Yeah, you got, you got to get it out of your system. I mean, uh, so many people are getting so excited about these uh, flipping uh, projects that they see on TV, right? Yeah, you see this amazing transformation you know, sometimes in a couple of weeks, and then you get a big check for 100, 200k. But they don't show you all the prices that didn't go well. They're on the market for months, so they lost <laughs> several you're seeing, hundred. You're grand, right? the, hi the highlight reel. I've like I said, I, I've never flipped houses, but I feel the same way about managing my own properties. So when I first started buying rental properties, I was like, I want to manage them all. And I even entertained the idea of managing other people's properties. I wanted to start a property management company. Sure. 
Well, two years in, I was absolutely miserable. I was. You were burnout, out, probably. I hated it with a passion. And now I pay somebody a lot of money to manage my properties. And every once in a while, you know, when I see how much money I'm spending, I'm like, uh, you know, it kind of like hits the back of my brain for a second. Oh, I could save so much money. And then I immediately know, you know what? Never mind. Forget about it. You've already been down that road. So. <laughs> so the next thing is Airbnbs. Tell me about that because I'm interested in buying some Airbnbs right now. So I was on a hunt to buy a property in Florida. I love Florida, even though I'm California. I've been living here for 27 plus years. And I actually do at one point would love to move out of a golden state and moved to California. So I, I was on a hunt for Airbnb for several years. I'm an analytical guy because I work in the tech space. <laughs> I guess sure. part of me is being an engineer, you know, looking at the numbers. And I went uh, multiple times to Florida. I, I searched all the way through Miami to Orlando and I went to Tampa. I went to even all the way to San Agustin. I probably toured uh, over 50 different properties uh, over time. And at, at one point I said, you know what, analysis paralysis, you, you got to pull sure. the trigger with the numbers right, right? And they were close. And so I ended up uh, buying a couple of uh, properties in uh, Florida, in Orlando. Okay. Because I really like the opportunity to have multiple uh, exit strategies, right? So I started with Airbnb, actually it didn't work out the way I planned. The numbers didn't look good, even though my projections were nice. <laughs> what do you think caused that? What kind of obstacles? I think it was a combination of uh, both uh, factors, such as maybe I needed to upgrade some of the bedrooms uh, with more furniture, better furniture, better quality, you know, maybe do painting, but I didn't want to spend too much money on that. So I did a little light rehab with some minor changes, but not major, but they needed to have more. Because your house needs to really stand out. Or it didn't be guests, right? I mean, their expectations are a lot higher versus uh, rental, uh, your regular rentals, right? And I think the price point was okay. I mean, I was buying for a couple hundred thousand dollar uh, five bedroom homes in a nice neighborhood, in a gated community. So, but I decided, you know what? I gave it a year. It didn't work out the way it planned. And I thought, should I uh, actually spend a little bit of more cash? to upgrade these units and uh, continue to rent them out as Airbnb or just maybe have a less headache and just rent them out to one-year leases and have more predictable income, right? Because your uh, Airbnb income will fluctuate, right? There's high season, there's slow seasons. Mm-hmm. And I was able to you know, refinance uh, some of these homes as well as uh, switch to long-term leases, which is one-year lease. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, they were able to uh, continue the lease uh, with uh, uh, both of these properties. And I've been pretty happy. Were you able to get decent cash flow? And the reason I ask yes. is I buy cheap, I say cheap houses in, in Louisiana. You know, I, I, could, I could buy a $75,000 house and rent it out for $1,100 a month. And, and that's some good cash flow there on that, that rent to price ratio. I'm looking for Airbnbs in the panhandle. And, you know, I'm looking at three bedrooms for 300 grand and the lady that's helping me find them says that I could pull in 75K on Airbnb, which is great. But if that doesn't work out, like I don't think I can rent them for really enough to cash flow. I want to say I would have to be getting like over three grand in rent to make a $300,000 house cash flow. Oh, you should have more because there's uh, higher management fees and there's always things break a little bit more often, right? Versus your regular renters. I mean, there's a constant volume of people moving in 
I mean, but as we all know, real estate is math, right? You have to know your numbers. And a lot of agents do not understand investment, do not understand oh, real estate. It. I they don't understand it. cash flow. So it can be a very frustrating experience. So the burden is on you as an investor to understand uh, the rules, you know, run the numbers and be very conservative, you know, have enough reserves, have, you know, decent occupancy. Luckily uh, for many investors, all this data is available online nowadays. So you can go to uh, AirDNA, for example, that's a good website uh, and, and check out what's the occupancy rate uh, looks like in certain markets, right? There is another... Uh, website called Mushwiser, where you, you can punch in uh, the, the location and it actually tells you what is the best cash flow recommendation, Airbnb versus your typical one-year lease. So there's plenty of resources uh, as well. You can even go to uh, Airbnb as well and kind of see the comps. Awesome. So let's move on to the multifamily and the syndication conversation. So I'm looking for a little clarity or understanding on exactly what your group does because you're not a syndicator. You don't put together deals, right? You're not going and making offers on properties. And No, we don't. Okay. No, we don't. We're more uh, of a group that uh, works with local partners in those different markets that find the deal, underwrite the deal, and they pass on this information to us because they might need additional uh, help, such as closing the deal, right? So they might need capital. They might need asset management help. They might need uh, some underwriting. I mean, some groups did come to us to help them to give another look that we have some underwriting experience as well. So, so what we do is we partner up with them, right? Because we're not the local boots on the ground type of folks, right? We're in Silicon Valley. We follow the trends. We're the tech guys. My business partner is also a technologist who is investing in real estate and helping others, but we don't have a local know-how in those sub-markets, right? Because each market operates very differently. I mean, what's happening in New York is totally different to what's going on in Phoenix, in Charlotte, or Dallas, Texas. So you joined the, the general partnership. You're, Correct. You're like, a, okay. And, and you primarily focus on raising capital, but of course, for legal reasons, you do. Yeah, we got to do more than that, right? More, sure. And that's what we do. So can you tell us about some of the deals you've been involved with and maybe what, just in general terms, what the size was, what the investment criteria was, what the returns were? Sure. Yeah, I can give you a couple of deals. So we, we started actively syndicating beginning of this year. In fact, our first deal was during COVID-19. Okay. I mean, if you can pick the wrong time, this was probably the wrong time. <laughs> And we were approached by this group that we've known each other. So it takes time to build relationship with partners, right? You, know, you cannot just expect one phone call and say, hey, you want to partner with me? I'm, I'm buying a $50 million asset. Right. Uh, can, can you bring a you know, $5 million check? Sure. I'll make you a general partner, right? It just doesn't work like that. So we've known a group for a while. We've met several times. We've, we've been recommended to them. We've seen them in action and they made the call to us because they were acquiring the property and then we turned them down because of COVID-19 again. We had a lot of concerns that, you know, who knows, maybe it's the end of the world. <laughs> but then, um, you know, about a week or two later, uh, we realized, you know what, this is probably going to pass. This is not the end of the world. Uh, the numbers look good. Very conservative deal in Charlotte, which we liked a lot, sure. Charlotte and North Carolina. We've known, again, the partners for a while. We've been in communication with them. These guys were very transparent. They, they showed all the financial. We ran our own financials. 
then we said, you know, what the heck? I mean, we've been uh, talking to our investors for a while about offering them an opportunity when we find the deal. And our investment criteria is very simple. As to cash flow from day one, capital preservation, we don't want to lose money. Number three, it's got to be in a growing market. Sure. I mean, everybody's kind of looking for the same thing, but in our case, we're very conservative and we look for a track record. We're not going to do any deal with nobody just getting started. We just can't afford to risk that, right? We're looking for partners in those local markets that know the area, that have property management uh, already lined up, right? We're looking for partners that can deliver attractive returns with us because we're relying on our partners to do all the heavy lifting. We're helping them, but we're not the main uh, sponsors, right? So since then, since the beginning of the year, and this was about a $50 million acquisition of 300 units in Charlotte. Since then, we've done five other deals, uh, two in Phoenix. We've done a portfolio deal of 12 apartments, which is a $390 million purchase price, which was oh, wow. probably mind-blowing for many investors. We were fortunate enough to be uh, co-sponsors on this deal because we had a relationship with, with a sponsor that I developed uh, over time as well. And we're very bullish long-term uh, multifamily and the yield. I think the, the cap is going to experience tremendous pressure and everybody is looking for yield. I mean, there is a lot of unease about stock market. Uh, yes, it has recovered, but who knows what the future holds, right? So, you know, um, I'd like to tell our investors, you know, diversify outside of the volatile stock market and keep some of the portfolio in uh, real estate, which is uh, considered to be more, less volatile and it produces a tax-efficient cash flow rate. So what class of asset are you looking for? And then what stabilization level? So if you want a cash flow on day one, you're probably not looking at any heavy value add. No, that's correct. Yeah, so our ideal asset class is B, B class. We have looked into even A minuses because there is a very slight difference in cap between A, B, and C nowadays. We are avoiding C unless... It's a very up-and-coming C-plus area that is uh, maybe going to be B. Like, for example, Phoenix, we're having a deal that probably going to be C-plus, B-minus area, but we're, we're very bullish on that market in general because it produces a lot of inflow of new people. A lot of people from LA, including Bay Area, actually moving to Phoenix because it's still a very affordable uh, place to live. And we're buying something that has to be ideally even 95% occupied and paying. Not only occupied, but a lot of people are not paying yeah. rent. Economic vacancy, not physical vacancy. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, just because it's 95% occupancy, you know, who cares? Maybe half of them not pay, right? So we're, we're looking for, you know, white collar type of job market residents, right? Because uh, unemployments are pretty high nowadays. I mean, certain states, it's ridiculous. And who knows how long these jobs if ever they come back, right? So we're very selective, very data analytics and driven um, people that, because we invest, by the way, in every deal that we, we market. The question comes in our mind, number one is, do I invest in this deal? If I don't invest in the deal, then we're not even looking at it. Awesome. What's your target investor? Our target investor uh, or uh, avatar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, somebody age 35 to 55 busy professional, probably in tax space. We have many investors local in Silicon Valley, although we have investors nationwide now, including uh, Texas, uh, New York. We're actually starting to get some traction even from international people as well. But primarily, they're busy professionals uh, that have heavily been involved in investing in the stock market. 
and they'd like to reduce their volatility, right, and add some tax-efficient cash flow to their portfolio so they can diversify and have some real estate exposure. Now, they don't want to be involved as far as day-to-day. That's a big thing for them. I mean, uh, they value their time, right? Because real estate can be very lucrative, but at the same time, can be very time-consuming. Sure. So if you had to do, it sounds like you've been through the gambit from the house flipping to the, the Airbnbs, the regular rentals, and now the syndications. If you had to start over from the beginning, what would you have done differently? To be honest with you, I wouldn't do a thing. I mean, everything was a learning experience, right? You, you just grow one day at a time. It's good to have large goals, but at the same time, you gotta you got to take baby steps. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> at the yeah. same time. So I always had a big goal of achieving financial freedom and all this and that, which I'm still getting there. I am on my way, right? It's a journey that you got to enjoy every moment of it. But end of the day, it's taking, you know, small little steps, maybe talking to somebody, reading a book, attending a podcast, reaching out to somebody, asking for help, asking some questions, maybe getting a mentor and just get in the game. So that kind of rolls us into our, our next question, which is pretty redundant from the last question. But what advice would you have for somebody who's out there who's, who's sitting on the sidelines thinking about getting started? Just like I said just a minute ago, just get in the game. And what I mean by that is, you know, just identify what would be the next step today. You know, is it just reading a book? Is it identifying the property? Is it identifying the market? Because, you know, real estate in the beginning can be very overwhelming. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different strategies. So a lot of people kind of get stuck in this paralysis analysis. And that would be my advice. Just take one step. It could be, you know, such a small step as just reaching out again to somebody and just asking them openly, hey, I've, I've already attended this podcast. I, I was the, on the webinar. I read this book. I'm clueless. You know, what direction should I be going to? Sure. So speaking of podcasts and books, that leads us to our radio round. I just wanted to ask a couple of questions, help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. What is your favorite book? My all-time favorite book is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yep. I just reread that earlier this week. So I, before I ever heard or thought about real estate, when I was starting out my corporate career, I read it and I attribute a lot of my success there to that. So we've heard so many people talk about it over the years. I thought, you know, maybe it's time for a refresher course. So I just finished reading it again. Yeah, it's a great book. And uh, by the way, this is not the book that you just read once. Yeah, and that's number one. And number two is I actually do recommend that to everyone not just get a book, but a version uh, called Action Pack that has the exercises. Because if you're just reading, it's just theoretical knowledge. The book that has the version of Action Pack actually makes you do very tough exercises when it comes to self-analysis, when it's time to identifying your strengths and weaknesses and just makes you <laughs> go to work like there is no tomorrow. Absolutely. Awesome. What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote is, if you can see it in your mind, you can have it in your hands by Bob Proctor. That's another guy that I recommend. Okay. I'm not familiar with Bob. Bob Proctor, you said? Bob Proctor is an old dude. He's been around for many, many moons, and he's got amazing explanations of Think and Grow Rich and other self-development programs. Awesome. I'll check it out. And then finally, what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? 
I love traveling. That's number one thing for me is uh, right now I'm kind of condemned. <laughs> because to say, of, it must have been a rough year for you. It's been a rough year uh, for sure. I'm excited that we're actually uh, planning to go to Phoenix next week to check out on a couple of properties that we're acquiring. And hopefully I'll make it to Florida in December uh, as well for a mini vacation. But this is something that always been kind of, uh, it excites me, you know, relieves a little bit of uh, pressure and just gets my juices going so I can go back to work uh, long hours again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, cool. So how can our listeners get in touch with you or find out more about you? So they can uh, get in touch with me on my website, which is uh, wealthymindinvestments.com. They can contact me via email, alex at wealthymindinvestments.com. And I actually have a lot of resources such as uh, 101 questions that the new investor, passive investors can ask before they dive in into syndication as well as uh, free reports and blogs and additional uh, resources that I can share, including webinars and videos that we did on our YouTube channel. Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining the show and, and answering a lot of questions across a lot of different categories. I know our listeners will really appreciate it and we look forward to keeping up with you. Thank you so much, Sterling, for having me on your show. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.